Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Becky Robinson, and I'm so thrilled to be with you for another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. And today I am joined by AJ Harper, who is the author of Write a Must Read, Craft a Book That Changes Lives, Including Your Own. And one of the interesting things about this book that I've just begun reading is it was recommended to me by a client of mine, um, basically acting out what AJ says you want to have happen with your book. You want people to read your book and love your book and recommend it to others. So I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about that, but AJ, welcome. And would you share with our listeners anything else you'd like them to know about your work in the world? Sure. I am a former ghostwriter who left the profession so I could keep my sanity but also teach people how to write a very specific type of book, which is a book that is designed to help somebody make something better, their business, their love life, their relationships, their spirituality, whatever it is, that's prescriptive nonfiction book. And when I was a ghost, I learned how to do that in a way that actually delivered on the promise. And I call that method reader first. And that's the craft I teach in the book you mentioned. And it's the craft I teach in my book workshop twice a year. And uh, that's what I love to do now, now that I'm not ghostwriting anymore. I do write still with a known business author, Mike Michalowicz, who's probably most famous for the book Profit First, but also we wrote Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, and a few others. And I think that's pretty, I mean, there's other stuff to know about me, but that's basically the main stuff. Well, thank you so much for that. And I would love to just pick up on what you said about this approach that you teach in your workshops and in the book called Reader First. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means to you? Sure. Well, I believe that a book is not about something, it's for someone. And that is the critical shift that I think uh, nonfiction authors need to make so that they're writing a book that meets a reader where they are on page one and delivers on the promise that the reader needs by the end of the book. And when you put a reader first, you then are considering exactly who they are, where they're starting from, what they want, what their perception of obstacles uh, is, and also uh, how they would describe the problem. But then also, this is the really key part, staying with them the whole way through the book. So not just in how you market it or how you plan to build it, but what's it like to receive this content for the first time? If the first time you ever hear something is in 
your in this book, what's it like to realize that? What's it like to try something that you ask a reader to do? And so to always consider, consider, consider them in the decisions you make and how you approach sharing your content. Because we have a tendency to think my stories, my stuff, my ideas, and it is, but the way a reader receives it is very different. So when you're mindful of that, then they feel supported the whole way through and they're more likely to finish the book. So maybe you can help me with this, AJ. In the book, you say reader first, and there's a longer phrase. Can you share that with our listeners? Well, I say reader first, last, and always. And then I, you know, that's just to say, please believe me. Like, please, please care about the reader from the beginning all the way through. And every time you think about the reader, and that includes book marketing, because, you know, we do all these marketing things because someone told us to, or we think it might work, or we see someone else do it. But when you apply reader first to marketing, it's where do my people hang out? And what kind of value can I give them? What resonates with them versus trying to do things from our own vantage point? That is super helpful. Well, so one thing that immediately resonated with me as I was diving into your book, AJ, was this idea that if you want to write a must-read book, it's not fast or easy. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I I came up in the industry, I started about uh, almost 18 years, 17 years ago. And uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know any better. So I just wrote a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I wrote as a ghostwriter that I would never want to write now, but I'm glad I did because I learned about this mentality of, well, my book is just a better business card. And so I'm checking this box and then that's going to raise my profile and I'll get more leads or I'll get higher speaking fees or whatever. And that made good sense to me at the time. But the problem is uh, people weren't reading those books and it's books are still sold by word of mouth. They're still sold by, you've got to read this book. Oh my gosh. Right. And that does more to get a book sold than an advertisement or other things like that. So when a book it's a tipping point. It's usually because a bunch of people read it and a bunch of people told up more people, this book really helped me. You got to read this book, but you can't get that if a, no one reads it. <laughs> and it with prescriptive nonfiction, you also can't get that if it doesn't deliver the promised change. So that's the other key thing. It's not just getting them to read it. It's also getting them to do the stuff. And if they do the stuff, then the change happens, then they tell everybody. Well, I love that. And in the book, you describe this as the reader transformation sequence. So yeah. can you walk us through all the steps of the reader transformation sequence? I can. So it's 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 this five steps. It's people will buy the book because they think you have the solution to the problem. And this is usually where most book positioning sort of ends, Right. But they'll read the book because they feel seen by you. They feel like you see them, you get them. And that has to happen on page one. But it also needs to happen all the way through. They can't feel like you don't, they don't, you don't know them anymore later in the book. The third is they'll finish the book. They'll finish reading it if they trust you. And that trust comes in many ways. And 
transparency and honesty and feeling that your content is inclusive to them. There's all sorts of factors in that in getting that trust. And then they'll act on, so they'll do the thing. Uh, they'll act on your advice uh, if you believe in them. So that's carefully crafted. It's beyond you can do this. It's really thinking about how you communicate with your reader to show that the thing you're asking them to do or the multiple things is doable for them. And finally, the fifth is they will tell everyone about your book because now they believe in you. And they believe in you, the author, because of all those other four things. So I think if we're, we often just don't get past first, the first one, which is buy. And I'm calling on people to think about all the rest of those steps. Yeah, I think those steps are super helpful. And I'm curious about what you think um, I have a bias about giving books away. So mm. uh, my book came out in April. I think yours came out a little bit after that, right? May, yeah. May. So we're, we're kind of like book sisters. Um, and I, so I often coach authors to give, as way, give away as many copies of their book as they can. Um, so how might your reader transformation sequence be different if someone receives a book as a gift or as part of a, you know, sales cycle or some other approach? I don't really think it's different. I mean, you hopefully the messaging on the cover and any other supportive information about the book when it comes to them um, handles that first part, which is buy. Then the rest you're already doing. So I don't really think it's different. And I agree with you. I think giving books away for free in the beginning is important because, again, you want to get that tipping point where enough people are reading so that eventually enough people are reading and you don't know where your sales are coming from anymore. Certainly. So, well, one of the things I'm thinking about as I look at your book, AJ, it's right here next to me as we're talking, um, is that we can communicate that we get or hear or see our reader even through our title and our subtitle. Mm -hmm. So how critical is the selection of the site? the title and subtitle, because I can imagine for the people that you want to buy your book, AJ, they are immediately resonating with write a must read. Well, yeah, that's what every author wants. Craft a book that changes lives, including your own. Yeah, I want I want my book to change other people's lives. I want the book to change my life and my career. Like you've nailed it in your title and subtitle. So would you be willing to share with us like how you landed on that? Sure. Um, and what you coach authors about as it relates to the selection of their title and subtitle? Sure. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't think everybody wants to read my book based on that title, actually, authors. There are so many books about writing and my, no, my people wouldn't respond. You know, if you want to just get a book out there or you're more concerned about having a bestseller or something like that, my book might not be your book, you know, and um, the word craft, I think, also is attracts folks on purpose. It is a craft um, that I teach. And I and if you're just trying to get it done, you don't want to learn how to do it necessarily. You just want to get it done, right? So not necessarily get better at it to do more. Um, so I think there's things that, you know, would put turn away certain folks. But in terms of how did I come at it? So I've always said, you know, when you write a book that changes lives, that leads to your life changing. Because if people are genuinely different because of something that you wrote, then the opportunities 
that most people get with any book is just a catapult. It's just like, you know, a million times more um, because it's not just having a book, it's having an effect on someone. And then I've seen it happen with my former clients and uh, and others uh, in, in the sort of thought leadership space. Those that wrote a book that people absolutely adored and couldn't put down have very different careers and businesses than those who just checked a box. So that's something I've always said. I knew I wanted that to be the subtitle. Write a must read. It was I was down to several titles. Um, I when I work with students uh, in my workshop, I have a titling um, tool. So a, a workshop exercise of breaking down different types of titles, promise titles, solution titles, problem titles, etc. And mixes of those that I ask them to brainstorm, just thinking, well, if it's just if I just do a problem version, what what are some that I could do? And then that helps them to think through because we have a tendency to try and just come up with a title out of thin air. And by having this discipline process of thinking, okay, if if I only did titles that were a promise, what will all these be? And mine came from the same exercise. Mine is actually a um, is the promise title. But I thought about, I for a long time wanted it to be called Reader First. And then I realized that unless you're my student, you don't really know what that means. So I went with a different version, but I think it's important to brainstorm based on types of titles that either show the reader you get their problem, show the reader you can give them the promise they want, um, show the reader you have the solution, you know, and then figure out what's going to resonate through a process of testing. I think testing is really, really important. We shouldn't just go on our gut. I agree with that. Although listening to, I'm thinking about my own process of landing on a title and the working title that I was using for my book before it was published was famous to a few. And the promise or the idea was that most of us who write and market books or have ideas to share are never going to be famous, like, you know, household name famous, but that if we choose to invest in showing up with value to the people who need the ideas that we're sharing, we can become famous to a few. And I loved it. Um, and it bombed out in the title surveys. Yeah. So I ended up with the title reach, which I love and which That's has served. Title. Thank you. Um, it has served me well. There's also like this, uh, process I went through with the subtitle because the subtitle that I wanted was create creating lasting impact for your message book or cause. And what came back from sales and marketing through my publisher and through the distributor Penguin Random House was that we we needed to make a different promise. So the subtitle is create the biggest possible audience for your message book or cause. And the sales and marketing people thought that people would be drawn more to the idea of audience than they would to the idea of impact. But I I like right. the impact. I mean, I can see I can see how you would want impact, but they're right. Yeah. They're yeah. right, audience. But I love that title reach. That's a great title. Well, thank you, AJ. Well, so uh, you've met, mentioned to me before we started recording that you don't consider yourself a marketer, but certainly there's a lot of heavy lifting that if you write a great book, the marketing becomes so much easier. So um, one of the things you mentioned in a very short segment toward the end of your book is that 
um, if you take the time and invest your energy to have this reader first mentality and write a great book, you're going to be tired when it comes to marketing, <laughs> which uh, I, I just hear you on that sister. I I'm constantly coaching authors about trying to do marketing and writing at the same time, trying to have a sustainable approach, you know, trying to reserve energy. So what's your uh, go-to advice about how authors can overcome the fatigue that they might be experiencing when it comes time to market their book? Mm, that's such a good question. I also experienced it myself, you know. Um, first of all, I'll clarify that I think in any book makes you, writing any book makes you tired. So even if you wrote the better business card, it's still doing something you've never done before and has many more steps than you think it should. So I think no matter what your what type of book you wrote, you're still feeling exhausted when it's time to launch the book. Um, I think... Um, the number one thing would be brainstorming in advance. So, because as you know, there's so many aspects of book marketing that require long lead times. So, you know, really thinking through what do I want my launch to look like? What impact do I want to have? Um, what What's meaningful to me? That was another thing that was important to me for my own launch was what kind of experiences do I want to have in this launch? And then what are some things that I can do to keep it going after for at least a year and versus this two-week window? Unless, of course, you're trying to get on a big list. If you're trying to get on a big list, then as you know, that's a huge coordination. It's like a military operation practically. So, But if you're not trying to get on the list, then you just think about how to get enough how to get the word out, but then how to keep it going. I think that's that's actually easier than trying to do a big blowout. So tell me what have you done that's been most meaningful on your journey as an author? Oh, most in marketing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I had this big plan for the launch and then I had, you know, as many of us have had the last three years of these weird times we live in, I really, there was too much personal upheaval happening. And so I couldn't really, couldn't really do it all. So I, I cut it down to the things that mattered to me most. So I did three events in the two weeks around my launch. Uh, one was a Monday night reading, which is something that I do for my authors. So uh, the first Monday of the month, I do uh, readings with authors who are nonfiction authors because they don't normally get to do them. And in fact, I've had big deal authors come on and they've never once been asked in their whole tenure, multiple New York Times bestselling authors who say, no one ever asked me to do this. And I do it with my newbie authors that have works in progress. And then I just wanted to do it for myself. So I did one of those and that was really cool. And then uh, Amanda Kroll, who wrote great work, she threw me a book baby shower. And the cool thing about it was I didn't have to organize it, but I told her just to invite my students. And but the thing was, they did their gift was recording all these promo videos for me. And then we had all this content to come from that. Uh, and the third was I gave back in a big way, which is what I wanted to do. So on my launch day, I had a three hour, maybe it was even longer, it was a four hour, I can't remember, it was three or five hours of a live stream where I did panel discussions about topics from the book with authors that were part of my community so I could really showcase them. And then I did laser coaching with folks I hadn't worked with yet 
And that was really fun for me because I was focusing on them instead of me. Those are some amazing initiatives. Thank you so much for sharing those. And I might have to hear more about those offline. Um, in your book, you talk about part of writing a must-read book is you want to be on someone's top three list. And that's how you've named your workshops, top yeah. three. So I'd love to hear what are your top three? Um, I, I, it's still hands down. One of my top three books is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I couldn't, I have a story I tell about crying in the Lowe's parking lot while I was waiting for the guy to put the microwave in my car in the curbside pickup because I found out that Steve Pressfield endorsed my book. That was a huge moment. I think that's it. For me, that was a life-changing book, The War of Art, um, because I cured writer's block and realized it wasn't a thing. So I'll never not have that on my list. Another book that I dearly love is a really old one by the late, great Barbara Sher. Um, called Wishcraft, not Witchcraft, but Wishcraft. And I, that book was life-changing for me. And then for fiction, I always go to Love Medicine by Louise uh, Erdrich. Thank you for sharing those with us. I love hearing them. So at the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, I always like to leave our listeners with one or two action steps they can take immediately to try to get their books into the world in bigger ways. So I'm curious, AJ, reflecting on the conversation that we just had, what are one or two action steps that you could um, coach our authors to implement today to reach more readers with their books? I think the ask two questions. One is, what's the change you want to see in the world? And then ask, who can facilitate the change? So instead of thinking about the end user, think about who can facilitate you getting to that user. So for example, uh, I want to change the way people uh, think about writing a book. I want people to have write, always want to write a must read instead of a throwaway item. And so uh, who can help me facilitate that change? That list is pretty long, but it includes other writing coaches, life coaches, book coaches, publishers, literary teachers, et cetera, maybe even people like yourself. Once you have that list, then devise, just pick one that you think will have an impact that you can maybe get inroads with and start devising a specific marketing plan to reach those people. Awesome. I love those two questions. Those are super helpful for focusing next steps to get your book to more readers. So AJ, before we wrap up, could you let folks know if they want to find out more about you and your work, where the best places are to do that online? Uh, just ajharper.com. Uh, you can join the mailing list there. I give a bunch of tips every single Friday. And then I also have a website, writermustread.com with a bunch of free tools from the book. Amazing. Is there a tool there related to, there's something that you were talking about, the titling? Yeah, that's in my workshop. I don't have that tool. I don't teach that in the book. Um, so unfortunately, no. But what is there is the entire chapter 15 of the book, which includes that marketing section you mentioned. It's the publishing crash course chapter, and you can just download it for free on that website. Perfect. In terms of social, where do you most often show up or hang out? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm trying to be better. Uh, it's, uh, you know, former ghost in the cave type person. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook would be the two primary. 
Perfect. Well, AJ, thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. I want to encourage everyone who's listening, would you please just buy Write a Must Read today? Um, I'm reading it. You can email me and tell me what you love. Um, I'll tell you what I told AJ when we got on the phone, uh, that when I dove into her book, it's the kind of book you want to keep reading. Her voice is so authentic and warm and inviting. And, you know, I felt like she was an old friend before I even got on this call with her. So um, go buy Write a Must Read. Uh, you must read this book. And uh, I'll be back with you soon with another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.